Got to get the recording on for you here on 88.3 WXUT's After Further Reviews. Nothing but basketball. It's myself and David, the man of God, Harris. An interesting show for you. We're talking about the All-Star Weekend recap with the uh, NBA Slam Dunk Contest. It was pretty much a dud. So we'll talk about that and uh, some of the skills competition. And overall, the NBA uh, Top 75, that was also celebrated in Cleveland the other last week. Uh, and we talk about some that maybe got snubbed, some that deserved it, some that probably didn't deserve it. So David the Man of God Harris and I will talk about that for a good solid hour. And then for the next the last 20 minutes of the show, which is, like I said, it's a short show today, uh, we, we'll talk a little bit about um, Zion Williamson. Is he a bust? Is he like Anthony Bennett? Uh, it's been three years and he's playing minimal games. Or is this some kind of way of a strategy to get out of New Orleans. Like I said, you can listen to this and more on 88.3 WCTs. After further review, make sure you check us out on our podcast and on SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud, and on iTunes, which are really good podcasts. is WCTs After Further Review with the picture of Frank Vashner and the horse's head. Coming up next, abbreviated show with myself and David the Man Got Harris, all basketball. Stay tuned here on 88.3 WXUT. You are now listening to 88.3 FM WXUT, Toledo's only alternative. The best radio in Toledo. Toledo's only alternative. Eighty-eight point three FM WXUT. She's a terrifying heart. I'm alive. She's a terrifying heart. Uh, that that was the fish was the lish, and we heard track six. It made quite a dish. Um, can't. Campus Outreach is looking for... Hang on. College radio doesn't have to be terrible. You're listening to 88.3 FM, WXUT, Toledo's only alternative. Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valini is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Till the end of time. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. On the phone lines, tell a little bit about NBA All-Star Weekend. Make sure you always check us out on WXUT's After Further Review on SoundCloud or on iTunes. It's got a picture of Frank Bashner and the horse's head. And we always got some of that great content for you. Always fire content for you. 
um, when it's cold outside. Uh, I had to tape the show. I had to uh, attend, a, actually, a funeral on Saturday. So I was trying to get in the studio this Saturday right before spring break, hopefully. But, um, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to, had to uh, attend to a funeral. So we did was we recorded some segments for you here with David the Man of God Harris. And he's on the phone lines now. Talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Weekend and his thoughts about that. David? Yeah, well... Well, some parts of the All-Star Weekend were hot, others were ice cold, and let's get the big shenanigans out the way. No one really pays attention to the All-Star Game because it's usually just dunks and alley-oops and no, 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 no. Lamella Ball, you know, no. traveling clearly for an alley-oop in the middle of the game. No, so, yeah. David, 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 no, that's that's not true. I think out of all the All-Star Games, it's probably one of the more watched ones and more intriguing ones. Now, nobody watches the Pro Bowl. Nobody watches Major League Baseball's uh, uh, All-Star game, even though Bud Selig tried to, for a few years, make it where it decided who got home field advantage in the World Series. Um, The All-Star games aren't the same as they used to be. And then now, basically, the All-Star game for NHL is almost like a skills challenge, and it's mixed up between these three teams and only three-on-three hockey. And So out of all the All-Star games and All-Star weekends, I would have to say the NBA is the best one out of the four major sports. I mean, in terms of, like, overall product, I'd say, yeah, it's the best of a bad lot. But, I mean, so I mean, someone has to win the, you know, quote. I mean, obviously, for me, I think, like, Major League Soccer's All-Star Game is actually a decent match because it's competitive and, like, people are actually out there playing. But out of the four major sports that most Americans care about, I would say, yeah, yeah. Major, uh, NBA is definitely yeah. the go. top. Let's but, go. like, the game itself wasn't all that. It was great, I thought. But I mean, the sports that people care about. I mean, soccer's not bad, but let's let's be honest. People are talking about the four major sports, not soccer just yet. Yeah, no, no, I, I get that. And like Steph Curry, obviously, we know Steph Curry is going to shoot threes in an All Star game where he doesn't have to do anything else other than shoot threes. Of course, he's going to set a record. I mean, I guess a little bit of you know, LeBron James getting booed during the introductions in Cleveland. Eh, that's all right. Yeah. It happens. Cleveland fans get over it. Like, he might be back then three years with Bronny, and then everyone's going to cheer him again. Now, I don't know if it's in Cleveland or not, and I, I think that uh, the way the Cavs are building their team, I doubt he's going to go back. I mean, at this point, you don't really want uh, a wash LeBron. Come on. He's almost going to be 40 in a couple years. And this, the soonest that um, Bronny can be available is in 2024. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's either Cleveland or I think like every rumor mill is like because Oklahoma City has like half the draft picks in that draft class, it'll be Oklahoma City or they'll do some kind of something with LeBron. Well, I'm not but, looking yeah. that. I'm not looking that far ahead. His son right now is projected as a second rounder. He's gotten better as a basketball player, but we don't know what can transpire in the next two years or so. So, yeah. Yeah, that is that is true. But like the. The main focal point that I want to focus on, and it's been the butt of everyone's memes and jokes, is the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, they were in Cleveland, Ohio. They could have gone to Cleveland State, like just a five-minute walk from from the arena, gone to Cleveland State, gotten some of the guys off the team to dunk. They could have kept all the kids that were playing in the city, you know, city's championships. In that arena, they could have gotten people off the stands. 
I mean, I know, you know, Scream and A this past week was talking about having like a nationwide tournament where, you know, mm. you get street ball dunkers and have them compete and then the winners go to All-Star Weekend. But like, it's bad when even the champion missed like six or seven dunks in the first round. And that's supposed to be the easy one. Like, like I, I don't know how you can change it, but I think most of us, for first, let's backtrack. When we saw the participants in the slam dunk contest, a lot of people were like, who's that? Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Jalen Green dunks. But, you know, it's like, woo. Everyone's like, Cole and Anthony, okay, understandable. I mean, he did he did a shout-out to the Boondocks trying to dunk in Tim's. But, like, that was the extent of the craziness that with his dunks and stuff. But, like, it was it was bad. And that's supposed to be the premier highlight of the night. Like, no, yes, no one expected Carl Anthony Towns to win a three-point shooting contest, but he's been shooting threes since he got into the league. Like, in a contest, anything can happen. But when everyone is focused because of not just who was participating in the dunk contest, but who wasn't, where you have the likes of the John Moran saying, oh, if I cared about it, I would participate in it. Every year we try to get LeBron. More recently, they were like, hey, Giannis, you want to get into the dunk contest? He's like, no, that's right. So it's like we've come to this point where, like, does, is this dunk contest as prestigious of an award as it was when Vince won it? Or even going back to when Jordan and Dominique and, you know, like all those guys and that was like the thing like now it's just like eh, if you can dunk you can be in the contest but like it doesn't have that same oh behind it so I don't know how they can change it but there's got to be some changes well it, it, it happens all the time and, and, and let's face it you can only do so many dunks I think the only problem with the dunk contest I thought there were some pretty cool dunks it just took a too many attempts. Kind of reminds me of the old six dunk contest with Nate Robinson that won, and he was doing all these cool dunks, but he was doing the same dunk like ten times before he could execute it. I think the only one real cool thing about Nate Robinson was was that he did the dunk the tenth time and he was dead tired. I mean, some of the dunks that you know Cole Anthony did was in his Tim's. That was pretty cool. Obi Toppin, uh, I think what was it? He touched the backboard before actually dunking it with the ball. He would tap it with the ball in his hand on the backboard, then dunk it. So some of the stuff was really creative. But when you have someone like a Zach Levine or, you know, Eric Gordon going at it, and then, you know, it's just, it just, it just throws everything off. Do you have me on speakerphone or something? Nope. Okay, it sounds like I'm hearing backfeeding or something. I'm hearing a delay for me. I'm not sure. Anyway. But that that's where I, I look at it. You can't win with the dunk contest. I, I thought the dunk, that was the only problem. I thought the dunks were creative. I thought they were really cool. But like I said, you could only do so many dunks before it's like, okay, what new idea you're having? There are, there are I think Stephen A. has a good point with, I think maybe they should um, bring in some guys that aren't professionals and maybe compete with the professionals. I think the one problem is this is that you? there's no star power. You're bringing in no-name guys to be doing the dunk contest. Why isn't John Morant in the dunk contest? 
You know, that that's one question. Obviously, Zion Williamson, he's not in the dunk contest. You, you kind of need some star power, and they don't they don't have it. Let's just be honest with that. They don't have the star power, in it, and it is not really interesting. And it, that right there doesn't intrigue anybody. And then when you see the dunk contest and it's kind of lackluster, everybody's like, well, the dunk contest sucks. Obviously, there's some egos involved. A lot of guys don't want to lose in the dunk contest because it hurts their brand or whatever it is. So that's another problem. Maybe you need to up the ante as far as prize money to, to be in the dunk contest. But as I said before, you know, I watched it. I just think the only problem was the guys couldn't execute the dunks in one or two tries. And then that's when it kind of gets boring. Like, okay, we've seen the same dunk over and over. And then after a while, you just need to get certain points. Then you just go do a basic dunk. Like, I think for Obi Toppin to win it, all he had to do was do a layup because he scored to win the actual dunk contest. I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah, and I, and I think part of that that star appeal probably could be added not just if you add a bigger prize reward, but if you have a competition or even another one of you know, Stephen A's ideas was, say, for the first round, you're recreating a quote-unquote iconic dunk. So you're taking what Dominique did or you're taking what Jordan did from the free throw line or you're taking any of Zach Levine's or Vince Carter's dunks and then like trying to recreate that in the first round. And I think also like if we're doing this time limit, instead of, you know, you have so much time, it should be like five attempts. Boom. If you can't dunk it in five attempts, then. Well, I thought there was an yeah. attempt limit already in there. Wasn't it? There, there was a, a dunk attempt, wasn't it? That you can only do it because I know in past dunks attempts, games that they had to have it because it was too many um they've done some I, i've seen worse dunk contests um the, the one that i bring up i think was back in 03 or 04 where they did the this the wheel of dunks and it, it it was painful to watch because let's let's be honest with you there's certain dunks that certain guys can't do like they wanted steve francis to do some dr j dunks well dr j, j is six foot six and legitimately has a claw for a hand. So his way he can palm the basketball and some of the stuff he could do with dunk, Steve Francis couldn't do because Steve Francis was only 6'1", 6'2", on a good day. They listed him at 6'3", but I think he was more like 6'1". And he had normal-sized hands because he couldn't palm them. Because it's hard, hard to palm an NBA basketball. It's, it's genuine leather. So it's kind of slick to it unless you get sweat on it. But usually an all-star weekend, they bring out brand-new balls and everything like that. So it's got that slickety, slick slickness to it. Uh, so those are I've seen some bad dunk contests. I thought the dunk contest was okay, um, a little bit boring. Some people say shelve it. They did in years past. They did shelve it, and then Vince Carter came back in 2000 and really revived it. And then if you remember, after that, there really if if after Vince Carter and Golden State in 2000, there really wasn't that many good dunk contests after that. Yeah, I think the next one was probably that we remember. I mean, maybe. I mean, I was a fan of Jay Rich, but that's just kind of a personal, just because he was showboaty. But really, it wasn't until Nate Robinson in the you know two thousand six, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I yeah. mean, kind of Blake Griffin jumping over a car, man. Well, but then that's Jason. Yeah. So here's how it how it worked out. Remember, Kobe Bryant was the last one to win the dunk contest in Cleveland. He won it in '97. 
Then in 98, they shelved it because Brent Berry had won the year before, Harold Miner, Isaiah Ryder with the East Bay Funk, which is now a dunk that kids do in a game going between the legs. But I remember Isaiah Ryder doing that in a college dunk contest before he got in the league. Um, but then Vince Carter came and uh, revitalized it. But you had Desmond Mason when he was with the Sonics in 01 when it was in Washington. Jason Richardson won it back-to-back years. I believe in 04, Fred Jones won it, and I think that might have been the, the pinwheel or whatever it was. Josh Smith won in 05. Nate Robinson was 06. I remember that, but he took so many attempts. Remember yeah. that? And that, that kind of. And then Gerald Green in 07 when, in Las Vegas when he blew out the candle, which was iconic. Some good people still remember that. Then Nate Robinson was back to back in Phoenix and Dallas in 09 and 10. Um, some people think he robbed Dwight Howard. Remember, Dwight Howard won it in 08. Yeah, um, with the Superman. Superman Kate, Blake Griffin jumping over the car at the Kia. And then 2012-2013, Jeremy Evans from the Jazz. Who, who was that? Terrence Ross with the Raptors. You know, he was in the league for a minute. But Jeremy Evans, I don't really remember him. John Wall won it in 14. Then Zach Levine won it in 15 and 16. You know, that was when he was battling Aaron Gordon. Those were some good ones. And then Glenn Robinson, the third one in 17. Uh, Donovan Mitchell in L.A. won in 18. Uh, and then Hamadou Diallo won in 19 when it was in Charlotte. And then in Chicago in 2020, it was Derrick Jones. And then last season, it was Anthony Simons. Yeah, so really, you know, for me, like eight, Eight of the last twenty-one years were like that memorable, right. and two of them for me is because Jason Richardson. Right, exactly. So I, yeah, I could have yeah, like I said, Jason Richardson. He was a two-foot dunker, and, and even his were kind of uh, not the the greatest either. So, but I remember some of the you know the suspense of Nate Robinson and Dwight Howard. Some people think Dwight Howard got robbed. Th- those were those were kind of memorable. Gerald Green blowing out the candle wasn't bad. Fred Jones that was an awful one. Uh, I, I vaguely remember Josh Smith. You know that that's probably one of his highlights of his career, and people still don't remember. Blake Griffin was one that was memorable. He jumped over the Kia. Well, he jumped over the hood. He didn't really jump over the full car. That yeah. was in L.A. But at the time, Blake Griffin was a young and upcoming star in the league. He had that star power. But then, like I said, Jeremy Evans, Terrence Ross, they're not very memorable. Zach Levine really got on the scene, but him and Aaron Gordon were really going at it. So those are the memorable ones, and they really brought out some good dunks. So I think a lot of times what it comes down to is either you have star power or the dunk contest comes to a duel. Who can out-duel the other one is what makes them memorable. When it's just laissez-faire and them trying to do dunks and they miss a lot, it's not very memorable, and I think that's where this dunk contest went to. Because Obi Thompson is actually a really good um, dunker. He, he he is. And last last year he had a really good one with Anthony Simons. But um, yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, and, and I think I think obviously history is going to remember this a little bit poorly just because of the memes and mm-hmm. it it taking so long and even thinking. Like, we can name moments, like Blake Griffin jumping over the hood, Dwight Howard mm-hmm. kind of putting on the Superman cape, you know, Zach Levine and um, Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Gordon just going trying to it. figure out who, 
who what prop can they use? Yeah. Like like it's like can we jump over thirty fans this time instead of you know? Well, the, the, the one dunk yeah. was like he was sitting in air and he put the ball under you know his butt. Yeah. You know that 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 was stuff that you'd never seen before, and it almost it was that dunk contest was video game like. And the crazy part is is that both of them were just doing out this world dunks, and you're just like holy shnikes. And then that's the miserable. Those are memorable ones. This one, you know, like I said, it, it was kind of boring. There was no suspense, and that's another thing too. You got to be a showman in the dunk contest. I've, I've watched enough to learn that. I think the one problem with the dunk contest is that usually your first dunk, you build the suspense. You don't come out with your best stuff, and I think that's what these guys try to do. They try to come out and wow the crowd with your best stuff. No, it's a momentum builder. First dunk that you get in there, okay, not bad, not bad. You, you, for one, it's like shooting. If you want to have a good shooting night, you have to see the ball go in the hole. Same thing with the dunking. When you come in and do a dunk, do something that's like medium, a medium dunk, so that when you go up there, you get your dunk in, you see the basically the dunk go in the basket, takes a little bit of, of edge off. Also, you get the feel of the judges, too. Now I'm acting like I, you know, I'm, I'm a dunk specialist. Have I dunked a basketball before? Yes, but I'm nowhere near what these guys could do. I'm, you know, I'm only 5'10". But I've watched enough dunk contests to know a lot of times when a successful winner is done is that their first dunk is basically they're coming out. Now, sometimes if you come out behind someone that comes out and does something really special, it's like you're kind of a little screwed. But a lot of times, most times than not, I've seen high school dunk contests, college dunk contests, and the NBA. Normally, your first dunk contest or your first dunk coming out should be a for sure dunk you've practiced thousands of times that has a little bit of difficulty in it. Whether or not you come up there and you just go between your one leg, the, the, East, the, the East Bay Funk dunk, as Isaiah Ryder called it, between your leg or something like that, or you have a teammate throw it off the side of the backboard and you catch it and, you know, you, you basically bring it down and then come up, you know, a double pump and you get it in, that sets the tone. Then it's like, okay, well, what can he do to top it next? But if you come out and try to show your best dunk, well, it's going downhill from there because you've already shown your best stuff. And, and the fans – they're anticipating stuff. That's what makes you being a showman. You show them a little bit of of a taste of what what's to come, as they say. You know, a teaser dunk, the first dunk. Okay, on the next one, I'm going to ramp it up a little bit. And it also helps with the competition. And I think that was what the problem was with this dunk contest. They were trying to be showmen throughout and trying to throw up these great dunks. And it's just like, no, 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 no. You just pace yourself. Pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself. And then when it's winning time or you know that your back is on the wall and you need a bunch of points, and that's when you bring out the full artillery and you say, okay, this is the best dunk I'm going to come out with. Yeah, and I think kind of for me, knowing that according to the rules, like they get three attempts per each dunk. So you get two dunks in the first round, two dunks in the final. Mm-hmm. and But the NBA considers an attempt controlling the ball at the rim. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for a lot of those, you saw them give it up, like, midair. So it's like, oh, that's not an attempt. And I think kind of part of that loss that are both trying to get the momentum for that signature, but then also when you're, you know, failing dunks, you know, after the second, third attempt, you're like, all right, let's just do something. Mm -hmm. And I think there was, like, there was a website kind of trying to look at the 
like break down the the actual dunks themselves and the symbolism, things like that. Like for me, the only memorable thing I'm going to remember is Cole Anthony dunking in Tim's with his dad's jersey on. Like, like that's for me the memorable moment of the dunk contest, and that's just because I, you know, I got the reference of the Boondocks. Mm-hmm. Like, but if someone yeah, like Riley one does stuff. understand the Boondocks reference, and you just see a guy in a New York jersey wearing, you know, Tim's. Yeah, but also you got to realize too. You know how hard it is. Heck, it's hard to walk in Tim's. They're so heavy. So for oh, him to get up and dunk in some Tim's, that that's a pretty creative dunk. Yeah, I, I'll give him that. You know, something like that could be your first dunk, a basic dunk in some Tim's. Okay, okay. Well, what you got next? Well, how you gonna top it next? And then sometimes, like you mentioned before, I've seen dunkers do that where they jump in midair and they don't dunk at Tim. And it's like, ooh, ooh, oh, it looks like he's got something going on. Let's see what he does. And then they make the dunk. You see what I'm saying? That's how you build up that showmanship. I just think that they just fell kind of short with it. And, and Cole Anthony, you know, tributes to his dad, you know, great announcer, you know, now a good color analyst. But, you know, it, it, the tribute to his dad is okay, but you were in Cleveland. I think if the All Star Game was in New York, I think he would have got a bigger pop. He would have got a bigger pop because his dad played for those New York Knicks teams that were when the last time they were actually relevant and actually pretty good. So that would have really given him a lot of pop. But when you're in Cleveland, it's like, okay, yeah, we know Cole. Greg is your dad, and you know he's he he's been pulled over having a suspected person in his car. You know, it's stuff like that. I mean, come on. You know, but if he was in New York, that would have been a bigger pop, I think. Now, if he had worn some Polar Ralph Lauren boots, then. Well, I don't know anything about that. Are those heavy? I don't know. I mean, in, in Cleveland, apparently, you know, everyone wears Polar Ralph Lauren and, you know, or everyone has the horse. Yeah, or they could have worn some Uggs. I don't know. Like I said, that that to me, okay, cool. I, because nowadays in the dunk contest, you got to have a gimmick. You know, back in the day, the NBA, there were no props. There was no gimmicks. It was what can you do with your natural ability? Well, almost every dunk demand has been used through natural ability. So now you got to put some props in the game to at least spice up the contest. So I, I thought that I thought it was a pretty cool idea. And I, like I said, Obi Thompson, Toppin's dunks. You know, I, I try not to critique because let's be honest. People sit there and say, well, this this dunk contest was horrible and this and that. Man, you couldn't even do that on a play school hoop, most of the dunks that these guys do. So I don't understand how some of these people are criticizing them. I I just think it's a combination of the the names that were in the dunk contest mix, mixed with uh, – Okay, what new thing, like you said, are we going to see at this dunk contest, knowing that the expectations were low because of the names? And then after a while, looking at some of the contests, and you're like, yeah. I mean, a crypto chain for Jalen Green. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then also, as you mentioned, you got to say this, it was kind of corny. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, the crypto chain is just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it, 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 sometimes you can't be corny with it. You know, Cole Anthony and the tribute to his dad is great, but you like you said, a crypto chain. You got to be careful with that too, because people will be like, oh, what, what a cornball, and then they just kind of, you know, it takes away your momentum for a dunk. Yeah, and when the fans, and it's already like, yeah, 
people already think that you're disappointing and as a player so far anyways as mm-hmm. like just as an NBA player so they're like oh he's a great dunker and then you come out and they're like yeah like but yeah it's a lot of psyche just there's a lot that was going on with that dunk contest so i think like in a year's time when we look back at it and have more time mm-hmm. to like analyze it and kind of break it down probably but i think in the moment just everything weighing of like kind of in the moment we're like yeah hopefully next year is better and we're trying to figure out names looking at okay who do we want to see and then the, like i said the idea is soaring about hey maybe it's time to get the you know the guys at Rucker park or any gym or ymca that can you know, put on a show because yeah. that's what the slam dunk contest is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a show. Yeah, but but like I said, I don't. Now my idea was, and I kind of like Stephen A.'s idea, is that you can get round these guys up, which is fine. But I think that they have a competition. Then you go up against the NBA's elite or the people that are. You go against them. One million dollar purse. You know, I, I think if you win among the amateurs, you get $500,000. Then if you can beat the NBA player, you get an additional $500,000. So you make a million bucks trying to beat an NBA player. You know, I, I think that'd be a cool idea. You know, they have it where the, the, the NBA, two or three NBA players apply for it. And then what you do is you have the, the, the final among the amateurs, the top two amateurs go off against each other. And then after that, that person has to go up against the NBA players. That would be yeah. a p- pretty cool idea. I, I, I really think so. And, and Stephen A is right. There are some guys that you see on social media that whew, Duncan is great. But once again, you got to have some arsenal, though. I mean, think about it. You're going through two or three rounds of dunks. Some of these guys can only execute one or two dunks. Where's your other two or three dunks that you need, you know, in your back pocket and everything? You know, you know, there, there's more to this dunk contest than just going out there and just ramming a ball in the hole or just trying to be fancy. You got to be kind of strategic about about it if you're really trying to win a dunk contest. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where that tournament kind of style, kind of that nationwide, where it lends itself because you know, as you get through, like you know, city and then the state and then regional, you're going to have to have more than one or two signatures. You're going to have to train, get into your bag, be as creative as you can so that when you get to, mm-hmm. you know, this, the NBA, you know, all-star, you know, the slam dunk, the slam, largest slam dunk contest, you can have, you know, your one or two go-tos, but then you can pull out something that you haven't pulled out since, you know, the state tournament mm-hmm. or, you know, or the region where you come up with something that's so creative that everyone's, you know, Loses their feet, and I think that's what people want to see. They want to, they want to be wowed. And I think the slam dunk contest this year was like, that was nice, that was cool, but then like it didn't wow the people. <laughs> no, it didn't. And, and unfortunately, like I said, Obi Toppin had some pretty decent dunks, but he'll be in the dunk. He'll be the dunk contest winner that won the worst contest ever. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the NBA knows that there's nowhere to go but up from here. That is that is very true. Anything else though from the NBA? It was you know this was basically NBA All Star Weekend, or was he just doing the dunk contest? Oh, and then and then one more for the little skills challenge where they had the two on two. 
Now that I, I didn't get that I didn't get, I didn't really get to see because I had a we had a, our uh, sectional final game, you know, at Rossford High School. So I was actually coaching basketball. But go ahead. Yeah, so it was basically you have you know two rookie, uh, yeah, two rookies that are able to do make five shots. See how fast you can do it. So a little bunny corner three, uh, top of the key, half court shot, and I think a mid range kind of jumper. And obviously it's gone viral right now. But Scotty, the team of Scotty Barnes and Tyrese Maxey, and, and obviously I don't want to rip on the young kids. I just said that Jalen Green, the number two overall pick, you know, mm-hmm. struggling this year. But Scotty Barnes, the number four overall pick in this year's draft, missed six shots that were basically bunnies. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering, you know, it happens, you know, if, they were saying that he'd flown into Cleveland just a couple hours before, so maybe he wasn't as fresh and, you know, that just some of that jet lag, which is kind of understandable. But then I looked at his statistics, and from zero to three feet, which is basically point-blank range, this year Scotty Barnes is shooting 66% from the field. So that's two of every three. For you to miss six shots, little, just little bunnies, and he was doing the practice, just flick of the wrist. Just a little flick. Like, I know he's getting clowned, roasted. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, he's playing well. He earned the all-star bid. He earned this shot to come to Cleveland. I mean, it was just a funny viral clip. And it just shows that, you know, two of the top four picks had a bad night. And it's awful. So... I mean, Tim Duncan's like, come on, man. If I could have one of those. Well, he wasn't so- even there. I mean, that was the some of the stuff that I, you know, I noticed. Like, I watched the game. I thought the NBA All-Star game was actually pretty good, actually. Um, but during the ceremony of the 75 best players, obviously Scottie Pippen, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird weren't there. They just, this awkward sign where they're over there just waving to nobody, but obviously they're waving to the crowd. Yeah, and there there were a lot of players that kind of, as you look at the 75th anniversary team, like a lot of people were kind of reading into the the um, the cold shoulder. I would say, initially when Ray Allen was announced, and you know the cameras panned on to where Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were standing, mm-hmm. kind of next to each other, and then kind of they just gave a look at Ray, like, come on, man. Like, that's over a decade ago. Let, let it go. And some people are <laughs> like that. They're just competitors like that. You know, Kevin Gar- Garnett, very intense guy. You know, obviously, you're right. It was over years ago, and he had to do what was best for his career. I mean, I don't know why Kevin Garnett is doing that, considering that he knew he needed to get a trade uh, to to leave Minnesota to actually, you know, better his chances of winning in in Boston. You know, so, so 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 people from Minnesota just look at him and be like, you know what, you know, stick my nose up at you because, you know, you went over there and, and decided to play with that team, better your chances. You know, was he supposed to stay in Minnesota? Same thing with Ray Allen. Ray Allen went to Miami 
It was falling apart in Boston. They were aging. And the, the, the situation, I believe, was getting toxic with him and Rondo. So that's, you know, he said, I'm leaving. I'm going out to Miami. You know, you can't be mad at the man for that. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that's going to be one of those, they'll have a sit down. Maybe they'll have a sit down. They've been trying to have a conversation just to talk about, but they'll, they'll clear the air. They'll, they'll move on from it. It's just kind of like sour grapes. And then mm-hmm. one final thing, like people just ripping Damian Lillard for being on the 75th anniversary team. Mm-hmm. Like the people that put him on the team had the reasons like just, you may not agree with it. You may not, you know, like it, but that's who they were picked by current players, former players, coaches, general managers, executives, WNBA legends, sports writers, and broadcasters, people that know the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, I understand people that have the gripe spot. People that are choosing this team know the game. So sorry that your favorite player didn't make it, but you know, this is the 75. Yeah. It, you know, I heard a lot of ridiculous stuff about the 75 that they should have redid. I think what was it? They should have redid the uh, uh, 50, like pick new 75 players. Cause you know what they did was they went really, they picked 20. It's really 76, not 75. They, they picked 76 players, I believe. Yeah. Um. So they picked another additional twenty six players, and I have nothing really against it. Maybe Dame Lillard was was questionable. I know some people thought that Tracy McGrady should have been on that list, and I've I've said this before. I think Tracy McGrady is a tremendous player, but. The problem that I think a lot of people have with Tracy McGrady, and the same thing I have with him, is that you look at the length of his career, and obviously the Toronto years, you know, the coach didn't really want to play him back then. It was a different mindset. You, if you were a young rookie, you weren't going to get in the game, obviously. You weren't going to get in. Um, and, and so he kind of got held back. So he really he didn't start really killing until that 2000 year when he was with um, Orlando. And then, you know, I think he had really a good seven, eight years of just being one of the most dominant players in the league, which isn't bad. But I think I, if I remember correctly, I can look it up. Tracy McGrady retired around 2014. And I think the reason why he somewhat doesn't get the respect he gets is that, you know, he was with Orlando. Um, and he did well there, but I, I don't I don't really think that he did really much with um uh uh you know Houston he was there in Houston for a while and he did i think he had a couple good years i mean on his career he averaged 19.6 points per game which which is really phenomenal pretty good but you know like i said when he got to Orlando here's his stats for see so when he was in Toronto his first few years his he averaged seven points nine point three and then his last year in Toronto was fifteen point four and then he just exploded in Orlando twenty six point eight twenty five point six I think he led the league in o two o three at thirty two and twenty eight and o three o four then he was twenty five twenty four when he got actually oh so he left Orlando 
His last year in Orlando was 04, so he only had four seasons in Orlando. And then he did really well in Houston, 25, 24, 26, 21. And then his last year in Houston was 15.6. I believe that's when he had the, the micro-fracture knee. Yeah, that's when he got hurt, and then that's when. And then after that, uh, 2009, he, he, he ended his career with the Spurs. I know that. I believe it was 2014 he ended it. He went to China, and then he came back and I think was on the Spurs for a playoff run because that was the year they ended up losing. Or was it 13 they lost? I think it was 13 they lost. That's what it was. Uh, he was in China, and then they ended up playing the Heat, remember? Ended up playing yeah. the Heat, and they lost. And then in 2014, the Spurs got him back. So that he had an opportunity. He was on that 2013 Spurs team, and you know, obviously Ray Allen – Go figure. We talk about him again. Hit the jump shot to basically um, push it to a game seven after doing that in game six because they thought they had it won. So, um, yeah, I mean, I give him credit, but I I don't know if I can really put him as a top 75 player. A top 100, yes. Hall of Famer, maybe. And like I said, I, I I would I would say like from 2000 to 2009, which which is good. He has good substantial numbers. But really, to be honest with you, I think from 2000 to 2008, he was a 20 plus per score and coupled scoring titles in there. Eight seasons is really dominant. But here's the problem: his team's never won, and I think that's where the detractor comes for Tracy McGrady getting knocked out, especially when he was in his prime prime. The, the the Orlando Magic would get knocked out of the you know out of out of the playoffs in the first round. That just wasn't really a good look. Yeah, so like people like Jason McGrady, the old heads were bringing up names like Alex English, who was in Denver with in the eighties. Mm-hmm. People are saying Dwight Howard was a bigger snub. I get like nah, over. Yeah, um, I can see yeah. that. I, I don't know if Dame Lillard should have been really top seventy-five because what he's doing right now, and then you know he has a season that he's having, so it's almost like ironic. But or he, even Mel, your favorite boy, Mello. Mello's top seventy-five. That's that's not debatable, dude. That's that's Mello is a top seventy-five player. Yeah, I know that. I I I said that one year he got the MVP that maybe uh, LeBron should have won it or. You know, Lamar Murray never called us back after I said LeBron was the MVP. But no, no, Carmelo should be a top seventy-five player. You got to understand too; he played in the hard West and even got the the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals. I think in '09, and the Laker Kobe and the Lakers beat him. I mean, they were competitive. Um, so no, Carmelo, yeah, he's a top seventy-five player. Yeah. That's yeah, not, but Dw- that's, that's Dwight not, for sure. D- Dwight, possibly. I think that's the same thing. I think he's in the same category. Um, even though he did get to an NBA Finals, I think with Dwight, I think what people see is what he's currently going on with his career. I mean, after his back went out, he he dropped. And remember when I used to say this on this show, I used to tell people all the time, I said, Dwight Howard's not really, to me, a great basketball player. He's just a great athlete. Remember, Anthony Stang used to argue with me, God, roasted, God rest his soul, about about Dwight Howard. I said, if he didn't have his athleticism, he's not going to be a good player. I said, he's got to really define his game. He's got to really get a, a consistent jump hook or maybe hit that 15-footer all the time. 
and he never really developed that. He just stayed with this athleticism. Well, when it it, it left him, it was over. Just like I think that's going to happen to Russell Westbrook. I mean, you see it with all the greats. You know, once your athleticism goes, because let's face it, father time is undefeated, you have to be skilled in this game if you want to stick around. That's the reason why I think LeBron sticks around. He is a savant of the game, and he's worked on his sharpened his skills because his athleticism has faded. If you watch a film of LeBron in his early years into now, you can already see how much he is less athletic than what he was back in the day. Now, obviously, he's smart and he uses his size and everything like that, but that's what I think would, would happen with Dwight Howard. Number-wise, should he be a top 75 player? Possibly. But I think the reason why he has he didn't get it is because of what has happened the last five or six years in his career, which has turned out to be bizarre, and he's been pretty much an average player. I think for McGrady and for Dwight Howard, they got victimized by longevity of their career. If, if you really think about it, I mean, you know, Tracy McGrady came in the league in 1997 and he was all the way until 2013. You know, that's that's 16 years in the league. And if only half of that of the 16 years, you're actually really good. People are going to look at it like, oh, man, that dude fell off. Let's say if Tracy McGrady got hurt and he ended his career in 2010. You know, the last year of 2010, he averaged 8.2 points. Okay, he had one bad year. If he ended his career then, I think Tracy McGrady would get a lot more respect, and I think Tracy McGrady would be on the top 75. Same thing with Dwight Howard. You know, okay, he has a couple of bad years. He says, you know what, I'm done with the game. I retired. Everybody will remember that streak of, of, of stuff that he did, and he probably would be a top 75 player. But when you kind of – extend your career out and then you start to have a lot of bad years people forget like think about look at Russell Westbrook and how he is out in LA he's looked awful this year but only a couple years ago he was the MVP but think about it what are people going to be talking about if if Russell Westbrook keeps playing like he's playing he's not going to age well they're not going to talk about the triple doubles and the MVP they're going to talk about what, how his career ended and he'll probably lose a lot of respect. He might not be in the top 100 when they come out with that. They'd be like, yeah, you know, Russell Westbrook had that blip. But what happened after he won the MVP and he has five or six years of just of, of terrible basketball? Yeah, and you can even say the same thing. And I think it's interesting because I was just thinking when we were thinking about Tracy McGrady, I also thought about if similar with Grant Hill before, if yep. he had just retired mm -hmm. when his injury, you know, his ankle injury in oh three oh four, like he would probably be, you know, had I mean, had he not come back and played another decade or so? Well, Grant Hill's injury happened in two thousand. Remember, he was with the the Pistons knew about it. That's why they weren't yeah. sad that he left. Because remember, when he went to Orlando, him and Tracy McGrady were supposed to play together. I don't. And then he got, I, they never really played it from oh two thousand to two thousand and four. I think they only played like possibly 30 games together if that yeah so like that just thinking about those two kind of combined careers kind of or careers that connected one with another mm -hmm. it's just kind of yeah but like as i looking about this like people have been like throwing out metrics and moving the arrows well it's like well david lillard's on the list but he hasn't won anything well neither you know and all the young people are like, well, neither did John Stockton or Carl Malone. And it's like, well, I mean, they 
Like they had to go up the door, and then people are like, "Well, why is James Harden there? He didn't win anything, and all he does is blah blah blah." It's like everyone everyone has their own metric when we think about kind of what they consider the best. Like well, for me, I look at team success and individual success, and you know, awards recognition. They're done by your peers, and if your peers recognize you as one of the greats, then you're going to be on the list. Are there questions like, do I think Harden is? One of the seventy-five, you know. Eh. Uh, eh. But like, someone's going to say the same thing about Dame, right? And it also depends, you know. The and if if, if Dame still has the if he has a couple of years like he's been having this year, being injury prone, people are going to look at it like, oh, you should have put him on that top seventy-five. I mean, some of it also has to be what you like. For instance, remember when they had the top fifty, Shaq was part of the NBA's greatest top 50, and he only been in the league for four years at that point. Now, they pretty much said, you know, we're going to do a pro- pro- projection of where he might land up, and obviously he did, he was injury-free, and he's probably one of the best big men in the modern era. Uh, so that worked out, but some of, that, some of this is also about how they predict where the players are going to be at. It's just always whenever we get these lists, people kind of come out the woodwork trying to question and have everyone becomes an NBA historian. They're trying to go back in the archives and like, oh, yeah, this guy didn't, you know, this guy played when everyone else was, you know, smoking cigarettes and had shorts that didn't go past your boxers. Well, they do that now where the shorts aren't past their boxers and they're probably vaping or doing whatever. So it it doesn't matter. I mean, I hate it when people say that. The era is what the era is. I know guys when I was growing up, you know, and it's crazy to think this, but there would be guys that could be killing on the basketball court. As soon as game time was over, they are going outside to have a smoke, come back in and still keep up with kids. I mean, it just is what it is. Like, I guarantee Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could put on some shorts right now and average 12 and 5 in, like, 20 minutes of game time. Mm, I doubt that. Right? I mean, the dude can barely walk. I mean, I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't yeah. think he'd come in and get you no 12 and 5. The man, you do realize Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is 70-something years old. Uh, I mean, I mean, have you seen most of the bigs in this game? Like, like most of them, eh. yeah. But it's the game. Like I'm not saying he's going to shut down Jokic, but yeah, it's the game. But yeah, but yeah, he, he he barely can run down the court. I mean, you know, he he needed help, you know, walking to the stage at, at every once in a while. So yeah, yeah. Anything else? No, that's yeah. This All Star Weekend had a lot of good storylines and. Yeah, People are going to definitely be talking about it for Steph, at least Steph for the won. rest of the season. Right, and like I said, it was a great game. LeBron hit the game winner, you know, because of the the uh, almost like the TBT adopted rule where you got to get to a certain point total in the fourth quarter. Clock is off under the four minute mark, actually. Um, I believe, I think it is, yeah. Uh, and then you know Steph Curry breaking the three point record, having about fifty points, you know, gets MVP. Like I said, All Star games. Yeah, the, the, or memorable. So the dunk contest was bad, but it to be the NBA seventy five, and people really talking about it. You know that's what's what's crazy. Yeah, and and all happened in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong with Cleveland. I don't know why people talk so poorly about Cleveland. 
Yeah, I don't know. Joakim Noah might still have like a thing or two. Yeah, Cleveland's not that bad. It's, it's actually a, a hidden gem in the Midwest. So, <sighs> this is a lot about the Midwest. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, so we'll take a quick commercial break. What's up next for you? Is Zion Williamson now worse than Anthony Bennett? Oh, hmm. wow. You think so? I'm I'm just saying, Anthony Bennett's still playing. Where's he playing at? He was last playing in Israel. Oh, I thought he was in the NBA. I, mean, I don't know. That that'll that that would be interesting. I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting question. We'll, we'll talk about that and more here on 88.3 WXG's. After further review, uh, make sure you always check us out on iTunes and on SoundCloud. WXG's after further review with a picture of Frank Bastard and the horse's head. Coming up next, David asks, is Zion Williamson worse than Anthony Bennett? Hmm, that'll be an interesting one. That and more here on 88.3 WXG's after further review. Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your you love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. I walked out on my only son I led you in your mother's hands And now I'm standing right here With tears, with tears streaming from my eyes See your mother raised a fine young man And I know I missed so much of that Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, listening to David the Man of God Harris here and uh, got that Poppy's home and now David's home. And he wants to ask, is Zion Williamson on the same level as Anthony Bennett? Hmm. What do you think, David? I think Zion Williamson just needs to come on home and get back to his teammates now, for those of you that have been kind of away from the rumor mill that came out this week, or the last couple of weeks, uh, when C.J. McCollum was traded from Portland to New Orleans, kind of ending the era of the Mama's Boys in Portland, C.J. McCollum came out and said, oh, I haven't heard from Zion Williamson. Has a team in the eyes and reached out to me to say, hey, welcome to New Orleans. And so that kind of pulled up some steam and intensity a former teammate, J.J. Reddick, now on ESPN, 
kind of was basically saying that this was a pattern for Zion of being attached teammate. And it all stems kind of so sources are saying now it's really stemming from a lack of trust between David Griffin and Zion Williamson in this camp and connected to Zion Williamson's injuries and really, if we're just going to be honest, kind of his inability to stay in shape and that being impacted partially by his injuries. And we, I mean, we talked about his knee injury and the potential for knee injuries even before he got to Duke. And so we've been talking about this on the show as this is going to be a thing that he's going to carry for the rest of his career. And so now that we're at this critical point where Zion Williams is on the verge of being eligible for this rookie extension, her final year of this rookie deal, and seeing the future of if he's going to be in New Orleans or not, it seems like this fracture is so separated that I don't think Zion Williamson is going to play for New Orleans again. Like I see that as a legitimate possibility that he might be done. And so for me, when I say he's become worse than Anthony Bennett, I think with at least with Anthony Bennett, he tried to kind of get over the fact that he wasn't NBA ready. So obviously he picked number one overall by Cleveland I mean, they were just taking the best of a bad bunch. I mean, that whole draft class is, yeah, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. But, like, he he got the trade to Minnesota. That seemed to kind of give a little bit of a spark to his career. Like, he only played, you know, average 16 minutes a game, over 60 games. But it seemed like, okay, this could be a new start, a new lease of kind of a fresh I realized, okay, it's not going to work here in Cleveland. Let me try to go somewhere and try to revive and kind of get a get a professional career out of me. Then last in Minnesota, then went to Toronto. That really didn't work out, thinking, oh, Canadian, he'll go back to Canada. And then it didn't really work on Brooklyn. And so now Anthony Bennett's now overseas, mm-hmm. kind of playing Euroball. And I think for me, kind of some players – aren't meant for the league in the long term. Some guys are better suited for the Euroball. We see it all the time with guys that are drafted and then, you know, five, six, seven years, they're in Spain or they're in Turkey or they're in Israel or they're in Germany. Like to play internationally because that game better suits them in a way that the NBA game doesn't. And so that's where I think for Anthony Bennett, him recognizing that and trying to maintain a professional career instead of isolating himself and trying to just cut off any kind of contact, I think that shows a growth and maturity from Anthony Bennett that I don't think Zion Williamson has yet or has not shown yet. Because it seems like Zion Williamson is still in this mentality of, oh, I'm the guy, I'm, you know, I'm the number one overall pick. They brought me in to be the face of the franchise, but the face of the franchise can't stay on the court. Like his first season, 24 games, average 27.8 minutes. Like that's like the face of the franchise has to play at least more than a third of the season. And for you to not even be in the team facility for workouts or anything, according to reports since mid December, like, well, maybe he just doesn't want to be there. 
<laughs> have you thought about that? I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to tell you that. I mean, it's, he, I don't think he really wants, he's finding a way to get out of New Orleans. He's in Portland right now rehabbing. He's not rehabbing with the team and, and he's gaining weight. And some people just say that the, the, the New Orleans just isn't a good vibe. It's not an organization that's ran really well. I mean, the NBA had to buy the organization. Then I think the Saints or owners bought it. And they don't. They said they don't even really pay attention to the team. I mean, they obviously it, it's a football town, so they just pay attention to football. Yeah, and I think kind of it all stems again to that kind of the lack of trust between Williamson and David Griffin. And David Griffin has his long history of kind of issues with star players. People in Cleveland don't need to remember and go too far with that. What was his issues, though? I mean, he got Cleveland a championship, and he did everything that LeBron wanted, and he brought in some players that made them competitive and get to four straight NBA finals. So what was really his issues? I, I mean, you, you'd have to – that had to be a 30 for 30. I'm not – I mean, I don't, rem- not, I don't remember yeah. them having any type of issues. That, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't remember that. So um, if it did happen, I guess, but – I mean, I think that, you know, he did pretty well as a GM, making them at least uh, uh, a prominent and and, and respectable organization and something that he built on, especially dealing with LeBron and and some of his his neediness, as you've noticed now with even the Lakers. So I just think someone's in Zion's ear and saying that you could probably go to a different market and do better. But, 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 this was predictable, though. I mean, even I said it. I said I'd rather draft R.J. Barrett over Zion Williamson. I think he's got super star power, uh, and he's a well talented player. But the best the ability, yeah, the best ability is availability. And you knew that his weight was going to be a problem. If, if someone's got a weight problem at eighteen, nineteen years old, where let's face it, between eighteen and twenty-two, for most young men, you're going to be in your physical prime. I mean, your metabolism is fast and it's high, but eventually, things just drop off. And after twenty-two, it really gets bad. I, I think you could be sustainable through your twenties, but it's pretty evident if you if you looked at pro sports that you know you obviously get heavier as you get older, and, and there's certain things that fill us you know, physically just happened to you. So even with drafting Zion, there was already, I think, red flags with the, with the guy. And one of them I was saying was the weight problem. I said, he's going to have a weight problem. I've seen it all the time. Guys that are young that have a weight problem, he, you're going to really have to be on top of that. And is he going to be disciplined enough to be on top of that? I mean, only time will tell. Not to mention, he's a very powerful individual. How's his joints going to hold up? I mean, that that's just something that you have to ask yourself, like, how how much availability he's going to have? Yeah, he's a great player, but like you said, is if he is he only play half the season? What's what's going on here? And that's what I said. What has he been in the league? What three years? And he's really, you know, his first couple years he was doing really well. Wasn't he an All Star too? I believe. Yeah. So we know the talent's there, but if he's not going to be available, you know, that's just a wasted pick for for New Orleans. Yeah, and try to kind of think back when we were thinking about that, what we were talking about between Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. Like, and you, you mentioned it, like, RJ was the best of the three freshmen that came in. Mm-hmm. Or the, the, as that freshman class. Class, like, right. You, and then he took over, yeah. Yeah. He was known basically as the 
uh, let's be honest, the 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 Instagram or uh, you know sensation, basically. With his dunks, remember that everyone just was like, "Yeah, he's just an Instagram sensation." Yeah, just explosive. He's big. He was physically bigger than everyone. Right. All he could do is run, and yeah, you know, all the dunking and everything. And then when he got to Duke, it was essentially the same thing. He was just kind of used the speed, his agility, his athleticism. Had got banged up with his knee, so he was out for a little bit, and then came back and tried to get to that explosiveness. But yeah, it was it was basically. His game was just dunking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we talked about it on the show. Like, I'd love to see Zion Williamson shoot a three. <laughs> and then he started doing that, and then it was like, okay, when I can't be more consistent. Then it was like, yeah, I'll just go back to the dunks. But yeah, it's like, at, at what point do you realize that for either side that you have to cut your losses, mm-hmm. whether you're Zion Williamson and you have to work through the injuries knowing that your knee's not going to get better. Like, I, I, I love the comparison that some people made with uh, 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 big man in Philadelphia, Julio Okafor. Mm-hmm. Or not Julio. The, the one that's right there now. Where? At? Or in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid, there we go, sorry. Like, with his early foot problems coming out of Kansas. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, he's slow. He's not going to be able to heal. But, like, if you're committed to kind of taking care of your body, like, did we think Joel Embiid was going to, like, turn around this quickly? Probably not. There were probably some that did. But now Joel Embiid is the face of the franchise like he was supposed to be in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like, Zion can still get there if he can kind of get his body in check. But the problem is it's a lot easier – to repair a foot than it is a knee. Because mm-hmm. with a foot, you can do the surgeries. It, it sucks, but, like, that recovery's a little... Like, you can work and do things to help accelerate and get your foot s- close to normal. With a knee, that's, that's... That's why, initially, it took three months instead of that six to eight-week timetable last season. That's why it's taking so long this year. But then it's also, dude, you got to shed the pounds mm-hmm. so that your knee can get adjusted to playing at a lighter weight so you're not putting all that weight on your joints. Right. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think Anthony Bennett recognized what he needed to do and that for him was a shift overseas. I think Zion just needs to see the writing on the wall. Like, here's what I need to do to get to be the dominant player and just go do the work. I mean, I, I guess that's easier said than done. But I think there's more of an ulterior motive of why he's acting the way he's doing. I just think, think he vibes with New Orleans, which is which is sad. Yeah, because, like, he was beloved. Like, he came in, people were saying, hey, he's going to be, he's going to rebuild and revive this New Orleans franchise. They're going to build a team around him. But it's just... Too many injuries. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of thinking back to the early segment, you know, we always do the what if with the Grand Hills, the Tracy McGrady's, the Brandon Roy's. Like, hopefully, Zion Williams is not one of those guys where it's like great talent, all world ability. What if he was just a little bit healthier? 
What if he didn't tear his meniscus his rookie year? What if he didn't suffer a fractured foot during the offseason? That's, yeah. Uh, I mean, injuries, it's just, it's just, I guess it's part of the game. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but but then things go go on with New Orleans. I mean, but it's just, but it's but the organization has always been a dumpster fire. But I mean, but people have to understand though, the reason why teams are up in the draft and they're drafting is trying to revive that organization. Maybe he could take a different approach and say, I'm going to build this organization up, or maybe someone's got in his ear and just says, get out of town and leave. <laughs> yeah, and and that's going to be the. And I think I've heard a couple of people say that, you know, maybe just leave, don't do the rookie, kind of don't do take anything past your rookie deal, try to get a trade out, but then it's like, who's going to trade for him? Like, who, who wants Zion Williams? Like, is he going to want to push for a move to one of the big market cities? Is he going to want to, you know, and then think about those other teams going to want a guy that has his injury history. Mm-hmm. So it's got, there's a lot of what-ifs and kind of possibility scenarios with Zion Williamson. Like, we all want him to have a successful career. Mm-hmm. Like we all want him to have a long career, but like you said, the best ability is availability. And if you're not available, then, you know, That's what can you do? Yeah, you, yeah, you can, exactly. That's that's true. It's, it 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 does suck. But I, like I said, I I still would give him a few years. Maybe it's just time for for some a change of scenery. Scenery. Now the bad part about it is is that um, it, what sucks is that uh, look how much can you trade him for? I mean, he makes it kind of difficult. The only way you're going to be able to get something for him is if he starts to play. And if he's not playing, you're going to get lowballed. Yeah, like like right now, what would you honestly say would be a reasonable package of comparable quality for him? Mm-hmm. Like, would you trade a first round pick for him? Like, if you're say for example Oklahoma City that has you know ten thousand draft picks, do you give up a first round pick in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six for a chance as I Williamson's one going to be fully healthy and two is going to be able to give you first round production? Mm-hmm. Like, does he go to a contender? Does he go, do the Lakers try to find a way to get him? Does he go to New York? Does a contender like Chicago go for him or Miami? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a lot of, of, we're hoping for the best for Zion Winston. Not saying that, you know, I want his career to go, you know, in a raging ball of fire, but I just want him to be healthy. Because he has the talent, he has he has that joy of the game. I think everybody wants him to be happy. I mean, you know, healthy. I mean, I don't really think anybody wants him to, you know, just not be like that. And he has the general joy for the game. Like, he looks like he's having fun when he was out there. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, with the slam dunking. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, like I said, we'll, we'll see him out there. Uh, immense great talent, and then... Uh, time, only time will tell. You know, one of those guys that could have, could have, would have, should us. I guess could could happen. Do oh. so anything else? Uh, no, not on, not on old Zion. No, okay. Well, you you had mostly. Uh, today was what a uh, heavy. 
very hoop heavy. Why? Why make it hoop heavy? Eh, I mean, we have a little bit of time before the combine. Save the USFL for when Frank so we can talk about his new Michigan defenders. The underwear USFL team. Right. Yeah, the underwear Olympics. Yeah. Plus, it's always good just to talk basketball. Oh yeah, because we haven't we haven't really talked a lot of basketball, have we? <laughs> no, it's been NFL playoffs. It's been like I mean, I guess Super, Super Bowl, Bowl people watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like no one no one cares. Cincinnati lost, like I knew they would. But <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anything coming up for on the weekend? Uh no, kind of big college basketball here. Syracuse versus Duke. So a lot of a lot of stuff about the last time Coach K and Coach Beheim face off. So a little bit of that, and then yeah, a lot of college basketball, and definitely, definitely hope that there are no you know Michigan fighters, none of the assistant coaches punch any uh, anyone else. But you know, we'll get to that story for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's true. Okay, well, man, have a good weekend. Like I said, as usual, uh, anything with the church? I uh, just prepping, prepping for Lent that's coming up, and then no, that's right. It, Lent so. is coming up, isn't it? Yep, starts on Wednesday, then it's a fast track to Easter. Oh wow! So you, this is the most busy time for the pastor, huh? Most wonderful time of the year, even more than March Madness. Oh, we were the original March Madness. Which I believe, I believe in three weeks they have Selection Sunday. Yep, and Auburn's going to get a number one seed and lose in the first round. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll expand on that a little bit later. But keep preaching the good word, my man. <laughs> All right, we'll do. We'll do. That, that's crazy that you say that. You, you, you got hate in your voice, but you p- preach the good word in your, uh, in your uh, sermons. I mean, is anyone really think Auburn's for real? Like, come on. Like, Auburn is not for real. All right, that's a teaser for another show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Get your popcorn ready. Yes, really. That's what I like to say. And you know normally March through at least June will have a lot of hot topics. NBA Finals, NHL uh, Power Play from, from Frank, also NHL Stanley Cup Finals, and then March Madness as well. Yeah. And the combine and the NFL draft, so we'll be pretty busy March through through uh, June at least, and then it slows down. Yeah, I mean, if they if they play baseball, yeah, I mean, either way, it's still gonna slow down. Well, it'll still slow down. No, nobody cares about baseball in July. All right, David. or or October. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Don't lie. All right, David, take it easy, man. All right, you too. See you. Yep, that was David Man, David the Man of God Harris here on 88.3 WHTs. After further review, make sure we always check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's WHTs after further review with a picture of Frank Bastion and the horse's head. Didn't get a chance to talk to Frank when we talked to David. Uh, we'll see you when you see you for Frank and David. Peace. We're out. We'll see you next time. 88.3 WHTs after further review.